This is Against the Norm with Nick Craig. Well, thank you very much, and hello, CPAC. Do you miss me? Yes, do you miss me? Well, uh, it only took a couple of uh, weeks, uh, six, seven weeks for the American people, uh, myself included, and I know many, many Democrats across the country, and a packed crowd down in Florida at CPAC 2021. Yes, Mr. President, we missed you. And um, obviously, lots going on in this uh, busy news week. Of course, CPAC uh, wrapping up today, its final day on actually the final day of, would you look at that, the final day of February uh, down in Florida. Great event. We'll talk a little bit more um, a little more about CPAC and some of the controversies and whatnot around it um, in the next segment. But I did want to bring up first, you know, listening to Trump's speech today, talking about cancel culture. They tried to get the Hyatt Hotel Group, who is where this is taking place. I don't know what it's called, the Grand Hyatt or something like that. They are trying, and when I say they, you know who I'm talking about. We're talking about the extremists on the left. We're talking about the deranged Democrat Party. We're talking about anti. We're talking about the 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 the, the Democrats. They tried canceling Hyatt over having CPAC, and Hyatt pretty much came out and said, mm, "No." They said we take pride in operating at a highly inclusive environment Hyatt hotels and I'll tell you what I don't travel very often but this is what a company this this is what more companies need to do they need to have the backbone and 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 the the cojones to do what Hyatt hotel says hey they said hey we take pride in being and in being inclusive in being open right it's so funny because it's the the Democrat party that's always talking about inclusiveness. You need to be more inclusive. You need to be more inclusive. Hyatt says, okay, touche. We are inclusive. We're hosting the conservatives this year. Oh, no. They're a bunch of racists. You can't do that. Hyatt goes, nah, they're not. We're going to do it anyway. They said uh, it, they believe in individuals and organizations should be able to peacefully gather and express their own views. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to CPAC, but it is a pretty orderly event right it is a suit and tie affair cpac is not a um cpac is not a is not your county fair i mean it's not a uh it's not a donald trump flag waving event it is a i mean i don't know what word to use a prestigious event it is it is a very important a very buttoned up event now there are you know regular uh spectators that go it's a little bit different i've always gone on the the media and the press side and it's a different environment but it is a very buttoned down, buttoned up, uh, buttoned up rather event. Um, it's not. It's not a. The, it's not a, a a rally of people. I mean, it's a very, very legitimate event. Now I know there's some criticisms. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But obviously, the headliner at this was um, was Donald Trump wrapping up uh, the three day event on uh, Sunday afternoon. Obviously, and this, um, you know, lots of things going on with that. Of course, open it up with, "Did you miss me yet?" teasing the possibility saying quote i may decide to beat them for a third time indicating hey maybe there was a little bit of tomfoolery going on with the last election but i want to play you i think arguably the most important clip 
that I heard from the president of the United States, 45th former president of the United States, the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. Take a listen to this. I think it's very, very important. And I want you to know that I'm going to continue to fight right by your side. We will do what we've done right from the beginning, which is to win. We're not starting new parties. You know, they kept saying, he's going to start a brand new party. We have the Republican Party. It's going to unite and be stronger than ever before. I am not starting a new party. That was fake news. So there you have it. Um, I'm glad that this got laid out there, that this whole idea of starting a Patriot Party or a Trump Party, and I've said this multiple times on this program, is stupid. Makes absolutely no sense. Are there issues in the Republican Party? Yes. We'll talk about primary candidates later on in this show. We'll talk about the importance of those elections. 100%. But you've already got the vessel, the Republican Party. So let's take it over. And it's funny, you know, when Trump started his speech, he was talking about, you know, he said, obviously, did you miss me yet? And you think about it, it's only been 39 days since the inauguration. Feels like it's been five years. And what has Joe Biden done thus far? He promised Americans $2,000. In response, what has he done? Well, he's bombed Syria. That was good. I'm glad that, you know, he says, what did he tweet? America is back. When uh, when he won the when he won the election, I'll throw that in air quotes. He said America's back. Oh yeah, obviously old America's back. We're gonna take your taxpayer dollars and we're gonna ship it overseas and we're gonna blow up a bunch of people, bunch of kids, bunch of whatever. It doesn't matter. They they live over there in Syria. It doesn't matter. The military industrial complex is back in charge of the U.S. government. That is obvious. That's key. What else? I mean, Trump kind of went over it in his speech. The wall, immigration, we've seen the videos and the stories of a of a, a, a group, a, migra- a migrant caravan, I guess is what you'd call it, that is working their way up from parts of South America through Mexico. The Biden administration has already said they are not going to turn them away. They're essentially going to tag them and just let them into the country and say, hey, make sure you come back. It's something, make sure you come back. To your, or no, no, I think they're going to let them in and then say, you've got to leave there. You got to go back to your country. Not going to force them. Just say, eh. Eh, go back. So we've heard about that. We've heard about some of the other failures under the Biden administration. Again, 39 days. It feels like it's been a lifetime. Now, Trump said it during this. I might decide to run again. He might, he might not. Now, there is a uh, a straw poll that is out or was out uh, at CPAC and 40, excuse me, 55% of people uh, picked Donald Trump. Now, and again, this is not a, this is no sort of, um, I don't know what word you'd use. This is not a uh, completely scientific poll. There are issues with it, but the CPAC poll shows thus far that 55% of attendees would want Donald Trump to be the nominee. Now, when they take Trump out of the, the, the name or at off the list, it is Ron DeSantis at 43%. So there does appear to be, without a shadow of a doubt, that a Trump-DeSantis, some sort of combo of Trump-DeSantis, either Trump being the president or DeSantis being the president, is going to be the key. Right? Those two seem to be the front runner. Now, of course, you've got people like Ted Cruz, 
Rand Paul that are all going to be in the mix as well. But I mean, it was nice to hear from Trump. I mean, we essentially haven't heard from him at all since Oh, we haven't heard from him almost at all since he left office. We heard him a little bit on the day that Rush Limbaugh passed away. By the way, he gave a, a nice little tribute to Rush and Catherine uh, at the beginning of his speech as well. I'd recommend you go listen to it if you've got some time. It was a good speech. I mean, it was a typical Trump speech. It, it, I mean, there wasn't you know, the, the party thing was huge saying we are not starting a third party. That's massive. We all know that he's interested in potentially running again for president of the United States. I don't think that's a surprise. That's a shock to anybody. Um, but, you know, kind of going over just in a short period of time, what kind of disastrous things Joe Biden has done for this country. Some of the bad things that he's done. Selling us out to China. Sold out the country to the teachers unions. Right? Sold out, sold out our public schooling system to teachers unions. That's really unfortunate. But again, is this a surprise to anybody? Is anybody shocked with what they've heard? Is anybody, did, did people think Joe Biden was going to be different? I mean, I'm no uh, political expert by any stretch of the imagination. I, th- I think I'm pretty well informed but I wouldn't consider myself any sort of political historian. But listening to what Trump had to say about some of the things that he doesn't agree with, with Joe Biden, which is also happens to be shocker. The same things I disagree with. This is coming as a shock to people. I mean, you had a choice in November and fraud aside, a whole bunch of people chose to vote for Joe Biden. Now, you could make the argument about fraud. I don't, who knows? I don't want to have that conversation right now. People still voted for Joe Biden. Obviously, they didn't know his policies. They must have not known them at all. Because now, as we've already seen, six, seven weeks into his administration, people are already going, oh, well, um, maybe we uh, shouldn't have voted for him. Well, we've got a Senate race coming up in two years. And a presidential election coming up in four. Will President Trump throw his hat in the the ring? Not sure. We'll find out. Stick with us. We've got a lot more to go. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. We'll be back right after this. All right, welcome back to the program. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you so much for joining me. So, you know, we just talked about Trump and CPAC and all that. And and I'll say this, because there's lots of um, lots of conversations going on about CPAC this year. Um, and let, let's get this all out of the out of the way here. You know, we just we just heard from Trump first appearance since um, since he's left office. Really, it's the first time we've heard him speak outside of uh, some of the conversations he did uh, the day that Rush Limbaugh died, but really the first time we've heard him speak in any extended period of time. Let's look at those CPAC and there's a, you know, myself included, I'm quick to jump and attack CPAC, right? Because their whole thing this year was America uncanceled. Well, they've kicked multiple people out of their events today. Well, not today, but throughout the event this, this weekend for not wearing a mask, right? They've, they kicked out a prominent, uh, 
social media person, uh, DC Drano, who is very popular on Twitter, very popular on Instagram, very popular on social media, very well known, got kicked out of CPAC due to not wearing a mask. Now, obviously, that's an issue, right? Now, here's the thing. CPAC has a policy. That's fine. Now, I will say this. They are in the state of Florida where masks are not required, but CPAC's got liabilities. They want to do what you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. That's fine. Let's let's get let's just move CPAC aside for a second. Let's look at the speakers themselves, because I think that's the key thing, right? It's easy to sit here. And again, I'm guilty of this myself attacking CPAC saying, oh, look at this. It's just con Inc., right? It's just it's Matt and Mercedes slap. It's you know, it's it's establishment GOP. And while there might be some truth to that, the reality is there's lots of great speakers and were a lot of great speakers at CPAC, including, as we just heard from President Donald Trump. Who else? Well, we heard from our lieutenant governor, Mark Robinson. I wouldn't consider him establishment. I wouldn't consider Mark Robinson establishment at all. We heard from our uh, state GOP chairman, Mr. Michael Watley. He spoke there. I wouldn't classify him as very establishment either. Uh, he's the chair, of the uh, head of the uh, GOP in North Carolina, but he's Trump number one. He's not a Mitt Romney, John McCain Republican. We heard from Mark Walker, who's thrown his hat in for the 2022 Senate race in North Carolina. So we heard from a lot of great people. We also heard from Christy Nome. heard from people from the NRA. It's a, a, a good list of speakers. Now, of course, you did have your, um, you know, some of your issues that, that show up at these events when you've got what they call, they call it a grassroots gathering of conservatives. It's not really a grassroots gathering. It's not. I mean, it's a very, it is a very expensive, very uh, prim and proper event that is put on. And it's a very good event. I mean, let's, I've been, I've had the pleasure of traveling to CPAC a couple of times and it's always an incredible experience I mean, the, to, to see all the folks that are there, to see all the big names from, from the television networks, uh, you know, the, the radio show hosts that do their show there, everything. It's, it's, it's a fantastic uh, experience and a fantastic time. And hopefully I'll be, tra- I didn't have a chance to go this year, but hopefully in the future uh, we can travel back down to CPAC and see some of, of what is going on there because next year is going to be a very important year for the GOP. We've talked about it a lot. We've, we've talked uh, ad nauseum. We've talked about it on this program, right? There is going to be a serious power grab in the GOP over the next two to four years. You're really going to start seeing it with the Senate races that take place in 2022. Now, this is I'm not saying this to discount local municipal elections that are happening this year, because there are. We've talked about them in New Hanover County. We will continue to talk about them. Three city council seats, one mayoral race. Very, very important elections. We'll continue to talk about those as they get closer. We will be you know, chatting with the individuals that are on that, that are running in these races. We will do that. No questions about it. But next year is when national politics is really going to kick back up. And I, what I think the key thing here that is going to be is that you know, what we see in 2022, I think, will kind of pave the road for what the presidential election in 2024 looks like on the side of the GOP. And there's a couple reasons for that, right? You've got a group of people right now 
that are done with the GOP, right? They they say that, oh, the GOP doesn't speak for, speak for me. I'm not going to vote for Republicans. Those people are really upset right now. It's a fresh wound. They're still pissed off from November. I have a feeling that time will heal those injuries. They will come back because they are, they have already realized and will continue to realize how awful and terrible and miserable living under a Joe Biden uh, presidency and a Democrat-controlled House and Senate really are. So putting that aside, the question's going to be, in the 2022 Senate race, in the House races, for a matter of fact, what kind of Republicans do we first primary through and then do we put on the general stage? It goes back to the conversation that we had um, just after the election. And I'll continue to say this as long as uh, until I'm blue in the face about it, because it is incredibly important. And I think it's something that we I didn't realize we missed until the election was over. If, in fact, we want to elect somebody like a Donald Trump, like a Ron DeSantis, like a Ted Cruz, right? You just look at some of the uh, more bombastic individuals, some of the more up in your face kind of punch in the punch in the mouth kind of Republican candidates that I like. And I get it. They're not for everybody. That's what we have primaries for. I remind you that we have a unlike the Democrat Party, we have a fair primary system in the GOP. You and I, the registered Republicans in our various states, decide who we send to a general election for either a president, a senator, a house race, whatever it may be. We have an actual primary, unlike the Democrats. So it's you and I that decide. It's not Ronna McDaniel. It's not the RNC, because they tried deciding back in 2016. They didn't want Trump to be the candidate. Well, actually, it would have been 2015. They didn't want Trump to be the candidate. Not right away. They would have loved to have somebody like Jeb Bush or Ben Carson or John Kasich, one of these other losers in the GOP. To and when I say losers, I'm 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 talking about Jeb Bush and um, uh, the former uh, governor of Ohio, John Kasich. I mean, these guys are losers. I mean, literally, John Kasich spoke at the DNC convention in 2020. He was a, a Republican ma- a, a governor of the state of Ohio. He's a loser. The GOP would have been happy putting up a loser against Hillary Clinton. They didn't have any control. We had control. So going back to the conversation about the 2022 Senate races, it's going to be incredibly important to see what candidates get through those primaries. And that right there, we'll know two years before the presidential election what the future of the GOP is. And I genuinely believe that. I genuinely believe that. Because if we do the same thing where we elect lame, middle of the road, kind of milk toast Republicans like we've got right now, a lot of them, well, then we're doomed. We are in the exact same position that we're in right now. You can't elect a strong personality to the front without having it, without him or her having backup. And that's exactly what we did with Trump. We built him up on a house of cards. He had no support below. We saw that after January. Well, we saw it after the election in November. Then we saw it on January 6th. When a whole bunch of Republicans scurried 
Now, you had a couple that stood with him, Ted Cruz. And those people should be rewarded for that. Ted Cruz spoke at CPAC this past week and said that Donald Trump isn't going anywhere. That He was one of the first, spoke one of the first nights of CPAC. Said something to the effect of, this is the party of Donald Trump, and it is. For the time being, it is. And I know that pisses off a lot of establishment Republicans, but it's the reality. I'm not sure if Trump's going to run again in 2024. I'm not sure he should. It's too far out. I don't, I, don't, I don't see any point of saying he should or shouldn't run. Who knows what's going to happen between now and the next four years? It's, I, I mean, it's impossible to know. It's absolutely impossible to know. But before we get to a presidential election, we need to take a hard look in the mirror, a really hard look in the mirror, and look at primaries and look at who we are electing and putting in Congress. And then one step removed from that, look at who we're putting in our state legislatures. Look who we're electing as our governors, even our mayors of our towns, our cities. And we need to take a really hard look in the mirror and use the primary process. We've got it in our party. We don't have to worry about superdelegates like the Democrats. We don't have to worry about a rigged primary like they do. We are in complete control of our system. You want a test ground? You want, a, you know, you, you want a, a trial run 2021 this November, you've got primary elections that will be taking place and you've got people that will be elected in November all across the United States. There's your trial run for 2022. Get involved or shut up. You're listening to Against the Norm with Nick Craig. All right, 25 minutes now till the top of the hour. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you so much for joining me. Plain and simple. Get involved. I mean, there's just there's there's no other there's no other way to go about it. I mean, I, I'm going to continue to say this because I see and hear from people all the time. Oh, I, you know, I'm upset about this. I'm like, well, you know, I've seen you post on Facebook for two years, but I've never seen you in person. So, you know, that's great. So I'll, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox there. We, we believe me, there will be plenty of time for us to have this conversation over the next uh, over the next year. So. I'll, uh, I'll jump off the soapbox here for a minute, but let's talk about what's going on in North Carolina. A couple of things uh, important that are going on. First, um, the bar and restaurant industry finally, after you know nine months, finally getting just a little bit of relief. Um, well, I mean, a lot of relief, but getting some relief finally. Uh, an executive order that went in place Friday allows bars and restaurants that were previously closed to open up at 50% capacity, which by the way, at this point, most bars had already found loopholes around this. But if there were any bars still closed due to them not being classified and not being allowed to open, they can now open at 50% capacity. But the biggest thing in this is the alcohol serving time. Um, It has been nine o'clock since Oh man, I I don't know. It's been all summer. I mean, it was a good. Sh- I mean, from the spring through the summer, and it, it's been nine o'clock. Last call rings in around eight thirty, eight forty-five. Nine o'clock is when alcohol technically has to stop being served, and then they start kicking you out by nine, th- and then you're kicked out by nine thirty. So this was the first weekend um, that businesses uh, and and bars and restaurants and breweries were allowed to actually serve alcohol past eight forty-five, which is just crazy and. You know, 
again, this whole thing goes back to the science, right? That's what we've been told from from the federal level, from people like uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is, you know, again, proven time and time again to be wrong and just have no have, just doesn't seem to have a grasp on what's going on. But we've been told from him and Joe Biden and uh, Jem Psaki, the terrible press secretary, all these people from the federal level. Then on the state level, we've been told from Dr. Mandy Cohen and uh, Governor Cooper himself. It's the science, it's the science, it's the science, it's the science. And all of a sudden now the science, I mean, nothing's changed dramatically. Um, the vaccines still are not at any sort of amazing rate. Uh, the U.S. is still only at like 8% of the population has received one shot of the vaccine. It's a very small number. So there's been no real science changes, yet somehow now bars can serve alcohol two hours later than they were literally last week. So, I mean, I'll ask you, and again, I'm not saying I'm upset that they're open later. I mean, I, I love the fact that they're open later. I spent my Saturday night in downtown Wilmington. But if the whole reason that they were closed was because of the, the science, then it's only fair for me to ask what has changed. And we didn't learn any of that. We didn't get told what changed. We weren't told that at all. So to me, it's just very frustrating when you look at a situation, you look at businesses that have been, I mean, here's a, a, here's a hot take for some people. Um, most people don't go out and drink at six o'clock, right? I mean, bars and restaurants get busy eight, nine, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. That's bars get busy that when they kick out at what, three o'clock in the morning, right? That's kind of what bars and restaurants bars do on weekends. When you have to start, stop serving alcohol at 8.45, it really screws with your business. And we've been, and again, we've been told this entire time, it's science, 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 science. And we've been told, or we haven't been told rather, what has changed, what has changed, what science has changed, what numbers have changed, what figures have changed to allow us the great pleasure the, the great pleasure of staying outside and drinking at a bar past 8.45 p.m. I mean, it's, a, it's a simple question. It's a simple question. And it's the same thing that goes into our school, our school system, right? I mean, these, it's, it's so funny that things that are almost completely polar opposites, restaurants, bars, and breweries, and K-12 education are in the exact same boat. Because we've seen the same thing with the school system, right? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Governor Cooper came out and said, schools should open. Now, he said that, but he didn't really do anything to help it along. I can say anything I want, but the old saying, actions speak louder than words, is really true in this case. So he didn't do anything. He, again, punted it back to the local school boards which there are 100 counties in North Carolina, each of them made up of a whole bunch of different groups of people, different elected school boards. And let's be honest, as a conservative, yes, decisions should be made at local levels, right? We all believe in this. We all believe in this. But the schools were shut down at a state level. They weren't shut down at a county level. They were shut down at a state level. So I think it only makes sense for them to reopen at a state level. Well, the... uh. Uh, state legislature passed a bill to force K through 12 schools to reopen. 
And it was put on the governor's desk Thursday. And on Friday, he decided that he was going to veto the bill that would force schools to reopen. He would veto the bill. You know what I love about Roy Cooper? He's a great politician. And I know I can hear the gasps through the radio. (gasps) Why would you say that about him? He's a great politician. He vetoed the bill at the 11th hour on Friday. When nobody's in Raleigh, when there's no news going on, when people are getting ready for the beautiful weekend we had down here on the coast, at 83 degrees on Saturday, 80-something on Sunday, just a beautiful weekend. People are checked out. They don't care. So what does he do? Vetoes the bill at the 11th hour on Friday night. Genius. I know I'm giving him too much credit, but it's, it's perfect. It's exactly what you'd want to do. Nobody knows about this. People check out over the weekend. They don't, want, they, don't wake, they don't watch the news. They're not listening to the radio. They're not you know, keeping up to date with what's going on. It's the weekend. It was beautiful across most of the state this weekend. It was definitely beautiful here on the coast. The last thing people cared about was school openings getting vetoed. So, Monday afternoon, the, Senate is, the state Senate is going to have an important decision to make. Two Democrat votes in the state Senate and three Democrat votes in the state House can override the veto. I have a strong suspicion, a very strong suspicion, that the uh, state legislature and the General Assembly is going to overrule and override uh, Governor Cooper on this. I really do. Because it's gone from a political issue to a, or excuse me, it's gone from a health issue to a political issue. And Democrats and Republicans alike all across the state are getting lambasted, as they should be, by their local uh, constituents over what's going on with the school system. I mean, I'm not going to go through the stories because there's hundreds of them, hundreds of, of stories just across the state of North Carolina of people having to quit jobs, leave part-time jobs because, hey, I've got four kids and they're, they've been on Zoom call, calls since, you know, April of last year. I mean, the stories just go on and on and on. And yet again, Governor Cooper has done, has said one thing and done another. And this might come back to really bite him. I think it, I think it will. I absolutely think it will. Because as I said, this originally was a health issue. But it's nothing more than politics now. It's nothing more than politics. You won't prove me otherwise because you're wrong because I'm right and you're wrong. It's exclusively politics at this point. It's been proven with the wishy-washy guidance that has come from the state, the teachers union, which has been absolutely disgraceful. I mean, you want to talk about why unions are bad? Look at what has gone on with the teachers union with these vaccines. Teachers who, by the way, have not been in their buildings for a year somehow got their vaccine uh, level pushed above people like grocery store clerks and people that have actually been working and been exposed to people over the past year while teachers were able to sit at home, drink their coffee and do a Zoom call for two hours a day. So the teachers unions 
across the teacher union rather across the state of North Carolina is a disgrace. And it's represent and it, it's represented in in our school system 100%. So there's going to be a call to action this week from the Senate and the House, the state legislature to override Governor Cooper's veto. I think it is possible. Again, two Democrats in the Senate, three in the House. There are enough Democrats in tough seats in tough counties where their constituents are looking for answers. Why are my kids not back in school? Why does the governor say, hey, let's reopen schools and then vetoes the bill? All right, final segment of the program. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you so much for joining me. You can, uh, of course, get our podcast if you missed any portion of the show on our website. That's atnshow.com. That's atnshow.com where you can get the audio and video version of the program. I, um, you know, we were just talking about what's going on in North Carolina and, and, it's, a, and it's a mess. Uh, but I'll tell you what, at least Governor Cooper isn't Andrew Cuomo who, of course, we covered last week or the week prior the um, essentially lying about deaths in nursing homes and in hospitals across the state of New York. There has not been now not one, but two sexual assault allegations against him. I don't see how Andrew Cuomo um, goes forward with this i mean he is under so much pressure both from the republicans in the state of uh, of new york uh multiple republicans have come out and asked him to resign um there has also been calls even from democrat leaders across the state to say hey man like we don't know what's going on here we we got to figure this out he's now bringing the attorney general in to do some sort of investigation which by the way i don't know why the taxpayers of new york are going to be holding the bag for the attorney general to prosecute or to look into his misbehaviors or his actions. And and I'll say this without getting too crazy far into it. What happened to all women instantly need to be believed. If you remember back to the Brett Kavanaugh hearing, Andrew Cuomo said, just based on the claims that Christine Blasey Ford made that Brett Kavanaugh could not sit on the Supreme court. Now she was one person. Andrew Cuomo now has two individuals claiming, two females, that he, that he sexually harassed or assaulted, or I think it's sexual harassment, sexually harassed them. He's not running away from this one. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I don't think he'll step down. Um, he might. I'm not sure. I don't think he will because it's, you know, again, you look at this. Here's a great, uh, great little thing here. So the day that this came out, the first accusation, you know, there are a bunch of major evening news programs across the United States. One is um, ABC World News. Then the other one is NBC Nightly News. Then you've got the CBS Evening News. And then you've got CNN and MSNBC's primetime newscasts. All five of those networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, and MSNBC, five 
None of them covered the original sexual harassment accusations or allegations against Andrew Cuomo. Not a one. Not one. This was back on um, this was back on last uh, Wednesday when this came out, the twenty fourth. Every single evening news program ignored what happened, ignored what went on, and somebody st- and people still want to tell me crazy, right? People still want to tell me that the media is not biased. People still want to tell me. The media is fair, right? Oh, no, 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 no. No, the media does a good job. The media does a good job. Again, I hate to play what-isms, but could you imagine if Andrew Cuomo's name was replaced with Donald Trump when he was sitting in office? You think there would have been some media coverage around that? You think? (laughs) Of course. Because there should always be. Right? What have we been told the last year? Any Any accusations that are made Female to male instantly need to be believed. These aren't my words. These are theirs. I didn't I didn't say this. I didn't make up these rules. They did. It's just it's just so ironic's not even the right word to use. It's just so sad and pathetic to see this nonsense and see this crap. Speaking of nonsense, I'm sure you haven't had a chance to see this because the media is not going to play it. But let's listen to a few minutes of um Ram Paul just obliterating Joe Biden's pick for assistant health secretary and really grilling down on health, right? The left is the side of science, right? The left is the side of science and facts and truth. Well, let's hear what they really think about science, facts, and truth when it comes to a conversation that I really don't think is, you know, super fun to have but it goes around changing genders and gender mutilation. It's kind of a disturbing conversation, honestly. <clears throat> genital mutilation has been nearly universally condemned. Genital mutilation has been condemned by the WHO, the United Nations Children's Fund, the United Nations Population Fund. According to the WHO, genital mutilation is recognized internationally as a violation of human rights. Genital mutilation is considered particularly egregious because as the WHO notes, it is nearly always carried out on minors and is a violation of the rights of children. Most genital mutilation is not typically performed by force, but as WHO notes that by social convention, social norm, the social pressure to conform, to do what others do and have been doing, as well as the need to be accepted socially and the fear of being rejected by the community. American culture, is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Like surgical mutilation, hormonal interruption of puberty can permanently alter and prevent secondary sexual characteristics. The American College of Pediatricians reports that 80 to 95% of prepubertal children with gender dysphoria will experience resolution by late adolescence if not exposed to medical intervention and social affirmation. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? 
Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I will look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender yeah, medicine. The specific question was about minors. Let's be a little more specific since you evaded the question. Do you support the government intervening to override <laughs> so the parents' funny. consent to give a child puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and or amputation surgery of breasts and genitalia? You have said that you're willing to accelerate the protocols for street kids. I'm alarmed that poor kids with no parents who are homeless and distraught you would just go through this and allow that to happen to a minor. I would hope that you would have compassion for Kira Bell, who's a 23-year-old girl who was confused with her identity. At 14, she read on the internet about something about transsexuals. She thought, well, maybe that's what I am. She ended up getting these puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones. She had her breasts amputated. But here's what ultimately she says now. And this is a very insightful from decision from someone who made a mistake but was led to believe this was a good thing by the medical community. I made a brash decision as a teenager, as a lot of teenagers do, trying to find confidence and happiness, except now the rest of my life will be negatively affected, she said, adding that the medicalized gender transitioning was a very temporary, superficial fix for a very complex identity issue. What I'm alarmed at is that you're not willing to say absolutely minors shouldn't be making decisions to amputate their breast or to amputate their genitalia. For most of our history, we believe that minors don't have full rights and the parents need to be involved. So I'm alarmed that you won't say with certainty that minors should not have the ability to make the decision to take hormones that will affect them for the rest of their life. Will you make a more firm decision on whether or not minors should be involved in these decisions? Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field. Same answer uh, again. And if confirmed to the position Same of answer. Assistant yep. Secretary blah, blah, of blah, Health, blah, blah. I would certainly be pleased to come to your office and blah, blah, blah. talk with you and your staff about the standards of care and the complexity of this field. Let it go into the record that the witness refused to answer the question. The question is a very specific so there's just a couple minutes of of uh, this assistant health secretary getting grilled over this. And it's just so powerful when you think about exactly what what he what he said there. Minors, right? You can't buy I'm just it's just just things that you can't do as a minor, right? Buy cigarettes, drink. But you can't vote. All of these things that you can't do as a as a minor. You can decide and you can go and take hormone blockers and decide again this is coming from the side of science right the liberals are the party of science that's what they say right the we're the science deniers yet they change their genders they make it up and they just want to ignore human anatomy it's just laughable from the left i cannot believe that this is a conversation that we're having on this radio show this is the state of America right now. These are the conversations that we're having. Unreal. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time.